Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Proverbs 16, verse 18. All right, well, welcome back to The Writer's Lens. This is Josh J.C. Alfalto, and this is episode 55, which is my swan song on the Seven Deadly Sins series of writing and creativity. So this is sin number seven of the Deadly Seven, and I must say that I'm both saddened and elated that I've come to the end of this because this has been, this has been a lot of fun to do this series, uh, but at the same time, it's been something that has been a little bit too introspective and really made me kind of relook at the way that I do my platform and the way that I write and just become a little more self-aware of some of the vices that can overtake us if we're not too careful uh, with the way that we're doing things. So so it's been very beneficial for me in its therapeutic sense. Uh, so I hope to you it has been, as, uh, been of some benefit as well because that's ultimately what uh, my hope is for this, uh, you know, for this podcast is that it can be of some benefit to you, the listener that's, uh, that's keying in on this. And it's not just some venting session for myself. So <laughs> with that being said, uh, this is episode 55. We're talking about pride and by far, I think this is the most famous of all the seven deadly sins. I mean, pride is probably the one that you hear about the most and maybe you don't regard it at all or nearly as uh, poorly or as badly as any of the other six. And there's some reasons for that. And um, I think primarily the biggest reason for why pride is uh, the most popular is because it's often viewed as being admirable. Uh, It's most associated with things that uh, we admire. You know, things like confidence, uh, having superior knowledge, you know, for any kind of situation, maybe looking prepared uh, having a sense of accomplishment in oneself that is either forthcoming or has already passed. These are some things that we would consider to be very positive in our life. So pride is something that literally bleeds into several different areas of our life that we would consider to be positive outcomes or positive character traits. I mean, a, a group of lions, for instance, is even called a pride. And we often associate lions with being a group of animals that have power, uh, they have strength, they have the ability to overcome obstacles, and we call them a pride. Uh, Think about any high school or college, university that has a mascot. You know, you often hear the phrase, uh, you know, have some eagle pride, you know, if the the eagle is is your school mascot. You know, I went to Mount Union University, which then at the time was Mount Union College, and we were often told to have purple raider pride. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, to have pride in your school, to, to have some pride in it. So there's these call to actions that we have circling around this, uh, this deadly sin of pride that in the mainstream, that in the world, that around us, doesn't really seem all that bad, right? Doesn't seem all that bad. But as I quoted at the beginning of this episode, Pride often comes right before our own self-destruction. And as the rest of the as the rest of the proverb goes, a haughty spirit before stumbling. So there's a little bit to unpack there. I'm not necessarily going to unpack the the proverb uh, from the Old Testament. That's not really my goal with this episode, but to rather talk a little bit about from a creative standpoint, a creative writing uh, vantage point, just how on earth pride could get in the way 
of what we're doing uh, as creatives. So granted, I, I really feel like I could do a whole series on pride uh, because just like all the other sins, this is about self-indulgence. It's about self-obsession. It's about having a lot of selfish desires. But pride is unique. Okay, it's a little bit unique. Um, and I think it's unique in that, uh, like I said, we associate it with positive things, but we almost attach ourselves to it as a way of saying it's our badge of honor. Like you wouldn't say you have a badge of honor for gluttony, right? Uh, you wouldn't say you have a badge of honor when it comes to lust. Okay, I, like, I don't think too many people would say things like, well, I, I have a badge of honor that I attach myself to being a very uh, lusty person or lustful person. Like I, it, you just don't hear that very often or that I'm very envious of other people, right? Like I don't have enough of my own, so I'm very envious. So this is my badge of honor. I'm very envious. No, pride is something that you you literally will wear as a badge of honor as if to say, no, this is me, I'm here, and this is who I am. So uh, perhaps it's fitting in some sense uh, that I'm doing the last one, this last episode on pride uh, because of those reasons, because pride I think is maybe one of, it's not the sneakiest of deadly sins, but it is certainly the one that we're most willing to cuddle up next to and do it so in a very public sense. So here we go. So what is one of the first ways then that we think, or rather, you know, I'm willing to explore with this episode, that pride can get in the way of our creative pursuits? Well, first and foremost, when we're very prideful about ourselves, we often end up possessing a very skewed view of ourselves or our own platform. And I really think that this can have a twofold issue for us because in the age of social media and the ability to create a platform, the ability to have a following and listeners, um, such as you listener who's, who's keying into this, it can really inhibit our goal setting. And what do I mean by that? Well, if I have my own platform like this podcast, or if I have my own blog, or my own set of books that I'm writing, I can really begin to take uh, a certain sense of, you know, just uh, pride in what I've accomplished and done even if it's something that is totally minute and is is painfully not even comparable to somebody's really good platform, right? Like I can look at my stuff and say, wow, I'm just so good. Look at all that I've done. Uh, this platform is great. I just, I just need to plug in more content, right? I don't need to make it more aesthetically pleasing. I don't need to get consult, right? Uh, you know, I don't need to do anything else. I basically just have everything that I need right here because I'm the man, you know, I'm the artist, my vision is what matters. I, I think this really inhibits our goals. It can make us kind of live within this vacuum of, I don't need to change anything, right? I don't need to grow in any certain area. And when you don't think about growing, you're not thinking about setting goals for yourself. You're basically in a state of stagnation. And for any creative, the idea of being stagnant or being stuck in some place is a very frightening one. It's a fearful place to be in. I literally uh, can imagine doing things in my spare time just to keep myself busy. So I think that I'm busy. So therefore, I, I still think I have the creative juices flowing, right? Like, it, <laughs> hopefully, most other creatives who are listening to this can relate to that. Is that if I if I'm stuck in a writing funk and I feel as though that I'm just not getting out of whatever I'm doing uh, with enough oomph or whatever it is, I'll, I'll go do something else that I think is semi-creative, like maybe if I'm reading a book, or if I'm writing a blog, or if I'm writing the next chapter of my story, I'll, I'll just open up another project and start working on it, because yes, yes, I should do that, 
right? I should open up their project and start working on it because that makes total sense. I'm just going to keep feeding my platform because I know what's best and I know that this, these are the things that are going to soar instead of maybe thinking about task management and thinking about how I'm using my time wisely and considering that, uh, you know, I, I bring in that consult from outside to kind of keep me on track. Having a, a sort of indulgence for our platforms is a major hindrance. It's a major hindrance. And I, again, you know, using personal examples and put myself on the on the chopping block here of uh, and spewing my guts out to everybody is my platform when I first started writing books was was nothing. It was non-existent. I mean, I had my my own web page. It was like a .org at the time. But I thought that just by putting my book up there and having one blog post, it was it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, and granted, this was about seven years ago. So having this skewed perspective of ourselves is one way that pride can really get in the way of our of our uh, of our creative goals. So that's the first one. The second one is, is something that I think I've I've kind of touched on in the first one, but but really thinking that our skills are already too good for any kind of critique. And I'm, I'm probably the one person that, that is just offender number one for this. Maybe that's why I decided to do this one last, because I knew it was going to be the most uh, just sort of transparently uh, fearful one for me to do, is <laughs> uh, I knew that I'd be exposing myself and some of my own vices within this one, is that not believing that I'm, I'm wor- or not worthy of, but needing critique, rather. Uh, it seems like a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, that if we're not open to critique, that uh, we're not open to being successful. Like that, you would think that's a no-brainer. And someone could tell you that all day long. It could be blue in the face and tell you, "Hey, man, you really need to get this looked at. Like you really should consider getting your your manuscript uh, maybe read. Get a get a group of beta readers. Maybe maybe pitch this idea off somebody else who knows more than you. Like you would think that these are things that any person who's in the who's in the business of getting better." would do them right away. Like you would know this is something on your checklist, but it, it never really is for me anyway, personally, because I'm so f- afraid sometimes of being critiqued in a way that I just, I know I'll have to scrap the whole, op- the whole project. And I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose the sense of that I'm on top of things and that my ideas are solid and they're superior and I'm not in need of any kind of, uh, you know, rough sketch uh, concepts being thrown out the th- thrown out the window, but that's reality. Okay, that's just reality. Like we all need to be open to some good consultation when it comes to our own ideas, and you cannot put yourself above that. You just you cannot. Uh, you know, I I referenced this in my last episode, but my my conversation with Jordan Rayner, who's the the best selling author of Call to Create, talked about the team around him to launch a book, and this is more than just people who are interested in buying it the day it comes out so you can you can jump up the algorithms of Amazon. No, this is about people that are willing to read your stuff, give you honest critique. You're willing to hear their honest critique. Okay, so that's a two-way street there, right? Uh, and, and people around you, they're going to market it. Think about where, what markets you should penetrate, where you should be posting your material, what connections, what bookstores might be interested in putting this front and center for their, for their uh, readers to come in, their, their customers to come in and see your stuff. Like there's a whole team that has to surround you to really make things soar and make it happen. You might be the artist, you might be the person with the initial idea, but like any good business, like any good business that's out there, 
there is a there is a person who's kind of like the figurehead, the 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 ideator, but without all the components around that person who knows what channels to get to, what what distribution centers to to hit up, how is that idea ever going to get off the ground? How is it ever going to reach the ears and the minds and the hearts of the people who need to hear it or feel it or or touch it or whatever it may be? Uh, so this is this is some something that I think a lot of young authors, young writers, and I don't mean young as in like just you know late teens, early twenties, but I think new writers, new authors have to become familiar with this idea of being open to critique, being open to criticisms, even if they're bad, even if they're so scathing that you feel like you're you're going to lose sleep at night, being open to that from what you would consider to be credible sources. So look, not mom and dad. All right, unless mom and dad are publishing agents and you can trust their opinions, okay? Like, but if you can get that really, really credible critique from someone and be open to it and know that, that this, this person has your best interests in mind, that's another important thing, that they have your best interests in mind, then you should totally go for that. Totally go for that. All right, do not think that your skills are so far and above and beyond that you're never going to need someone kind of looking over your shoulder and, and helping you, you know, get through that, uh, you know, the, the really, really rough drafts. Because they're going to be rough drafts. Whatever comes out of you first, it's a rough draft. Okay, just that's, that's reality. Uh, so, so just recapping here real quick. Possessing a skewed view of your platform and then thinking that your skills are not beyond being critiqued. So what would be the third one? Since I'm, I'm all about the number three with this, this Seven Deadly Sins series, like what would be the third thing where pride would kind of creep up on us and uh, cause us to be hindered as creatives, as artists, as writers. And and this one is is one that I, I kind of mulled over a little bit uh, as far as how I can see it being a problem for, for myself again, <laughs> using myself as the guinea pig for this episode. But I would say this, my number three is believing that our message is important but that it's also the only message that is of importance. So what do I mean by that? Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. The idea of drowning out the exchanging of other thoughts and ideas alongside your own, right? Creating unnecessary competition among other writers and ideas. Compare and contrast too much. And you might say, well, how is that being prideful? Well, I think it's being prideful in a sense of there's some jealousy, that you might have, like someone else might get to an idea before you do, and you might think because your idea is of such importance that this other person, uh, you know, should not be taking any semblance of your idea to the marketplace because you're the originator, you're the one that was divinely inspired with your idea. Only you matter in the universe to get this thing out. I think that carrying this torch of my message of, is, is of importance is good. Like you, you should believe that you have a unique message and that it should be broadcasted to the world or to that one person that you're going to inspire. Maybe tens of thousands, millions of people you inspire. You, you never know. You never know how far these, these things go. But then to believe that your message is the only one that is important, I think that's a very slippery slope to be under uh, or to be upon rather uh, because of all these things. I mean, I, it, it just takes away from growing. It it takes away from uh, some growth that you could have to maybe, like I said, bounce ideas off of other creatives, you know, being in community with other people. 
you essentially could put yourself onto an island that you could never row off of, like that you could never cast off of at some point. And like I said before, it can create a lot of inherent jealousies that could ultimately keep you from ever actually finishing your story. I remember a long time ago uh, when the Divergent series was coming out. <clears throat> I have a close friend uh, who's in who's been in and out of the creative community that I'm that I'm in here in the Midwest, and he had this idea for sort of a dystopian future about uh, a character that was sort of different from everyone else. And I, I don't want to go into too many details because I don't, honestly, I don't remember all of them. But I remember his story having sort of this theme throughout that, uh, the, you know, the main character had something different about them in their mind. And so they didn't really fit in society quite right. And, uh, you know, they had to figure out the reason why that was. And here it, come, it comes to pass that the Diversion series comes out and his story was so similar that I think even the names of the characters were, were similar. And he'd never read Divergent. He didn't even know any of this was going on. And I remember him sitting down in one of our meetings and talking about it on like a Saturday morning and just going, you know, I, I cannot believe that this happened, right? I Just total shock that, yeah, it's kind of neat that you were on the wavelength of whatever the mainstream tide was about to, to roll out with. But man, just missing it by that much. And <laughs> and Paul, if you're listening to this, I'm not <laughs> I'm not poking fun at your at your story or anything like that. I, I I think you would understand that where where my heart's at on that, my friend. But just knowing that your idea was almost like stolen in some sense. I mean, I really felt for him in that in that time because because I've had that too. I've had times where I, I sat and I watched ideas hit the marketplace in video games back when I was an avid video game player in my late teens, early 20s. And I would see, you know, ideas for games come out. And I went to myself, oh man, that should have been me. That should have been me, right? It could have been me. It should have been me because I'm the one that came up with that idea years ago. Only now is it coming to fruition. I've, I've missed the boat. And that's the conclusion you should not come to is I've missed the boat somehow. That my time was there. I missed it. I'll never actually be able to get back on it because uh, because the the wave is gone. There's there's no chance for me to break in with my message. Forget about it. It's over. It's done. No, I, I'm here to encourage you in that. No, okay. Now there might have been something very similar to that message that maybe that has kind of come and gone, but as far as your unique message, I mean, don't give up on it, right? Like, do not give up on it because the worst thing you can do is to be prideful enough to say. That I'm the one that gets to shut this thing down. I'm the I'm the one that is the is the, is the controller of this destiny. So I'm going to shut this down now because I don't want to get hurt, right? I don't want to get rejected because somebody else has already stolen the glory, my glory. You know, someone else stole my glory. And when we start saying things like that to ourselves, even if it's not totally consciously saying it, my glory, this person stole my stuff. We're still acting out on that thought by not pursuing. The, the the passion project by not pursuing the dream, by not pursuing the unique message. We are negating that somehow. We are saying, no, uh, you know, this was supposed to be mine and you took it from me. Don't be that prideful. Do not be that prideful. You know, just move forward in it. Move forward into that space and and see where it goes, see where it takes you. 
You know, you, you never know until you try. I mean, there's a, you know, I could have used the quote, do or do not, there is no try. Uh, but I, you know, tying that into pride is only, the only way I could do that is now, now that you've heard this whole episode on pride. So, uh, so that's really my, my whole encouragement to you as a listener, to anyone who's listening to this, that your message is unique. So follow it, utilize it. Uh, do not let pride get in the way. Do not let any of these seven deadly sins get in your way. When we're talking about the seven deadly sins, do not let your own self get in the way. Right? Do not let selfish desires get in the way of whatever you are trying to create, whatever you're trying to put forth in the world. Because as I said in way back when, back in 2017, when I was talking about passion, and I was talking about what does it mean to really be passionate about something, to have a passion that you could follow. One of the, the key things about our passions is that it has to be something that we're giving up to someone else. Because many times we, we think that passion is related to something that we get, that it's going to be something that we actually end up accumulating and it's good for us. Yes, it can be, but the sacrifice that's involved and the giving to other people to inspire them, to encourage them, that's really where the rubber is going to meet the road on, on your passion, right? That's really where you're going you're gonna to find it is when it's helping other people, not when it's just you getting all the glory. So that is the reason why I wanted to do this whole Seven Deadly Sins series, is to just kind of get back to the reality that when we are in the business of being creative, when we're in the business of being writers, when we're in the business of being an artist in some capacity, and we're telling a story, that, which is ultimately our story, we hope that our story touches people, and yes, it will bring people into our world in some way. They'll be able to see the world through maybe our lens or our angle. We don't want it to just stay that way. We want them to explore it, their world as well, uh, and to be touched by what we're doing. And as a writer, I mean, that's ultimately how you end up, you know, kind of changing the world in some sense. And it's not a forceful thing. It's all through, you know, influence and exchange of ideas. And that's good. That's good. That's that. That's how it ought to be. Uh, so, so again, this was my series on the seven deadly sins. This was pride. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this series as much as I have, uh, selfishly, <laughs> how much I've enjoyed doing the seven deadly sins. Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe, you know, share it with someone that, that you think might benefit from hearing about this. Like if you have a friend who you think is too proud to, to give their work up for critique, you know, let them hear this. I mean, hopefully they can be encouraged by it. Not discouraged, but, but maybe be encouraged uh, by what I've, what I've had to say in this particular episode. So until next time, guys, uh, this is Josh J.C. Alfelto. We will be continuing the Narrative Wars uh, as sort of my intermediary uh, series I'll release once a week. So uh, stay tuned for that in the coming days. But until then, uh, I'll catch up with you guys again soon.